0: I'm going to read from the book of John. So, if you do have your actual Bible, um, we're going to be in the in the book of John. We're going to start in chapter 13. We're going to go all the way to chapter 17. We're going to cover five chapters today. Now, the book of John. Here's why the book of John is so unique when it comes to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. The book of John is made up of 21 chapters. Just so you know, over half of the chapters of the book of John are about the last seven days. And, Je- and what happened after Jesus' resurrection. So there was a major majority of the book of John, the one whom Jesus loved, the beloved. This is what he called himself. And he wrote over half of it about the seven days leading up of Jesus um, as well as what happened after Jesus' life. And five of those chapters was the conversation that happened at the Last Supper. So on Thursday is the story of the Last Supper. And there are five chapters of a 21-chapter book that are dedicated to the conversation that took place at the Last Supper, or the the Passover table, as we know. Many of you, you've seen the famous picture that is uh, depicted of Jesus, the painting of Jesus with all of his disciples sitting around the table. That last moment, there is five chapters of the book of John that's dedicated to that. And so today, we're gonna cover five topics, from the five chapters, and then I'm going to give you five questions to ponder. So we're going to talk about five topics and five questions to ponder within that. Now, I want to start today by asking this question. Here's the question. The question is this, what would Jesus say if he could have dinner with you? Think about that just for a moment. How many of y'all have ever had somebody, you know, ask a question like, if you could have dinner with anybody, who would you want to have dinner with? Like, you know what I'm talking about? You're like thinking about all the people in the past. If you could have dinner with Jesus... Like, sit down with Jesus. What do you think the conversation would be about? How many of you in here love food? How many, many, do I got any foodies in here? You just love food. I love food. There's nothing better than a great meal with great people having a great conversation. There's just something about, I'm not talking about like fast food at McDonald's, you gotta scarf it down because you gotta go to the next place. I'm talking about like sitting down and having like a real nice meal with great food, great people to talk through. I, I, I remember one dinner conversation that was probably one of the hardest ones for me, which was, happened almost 20 years ago. And it was the dinner. I, I proposed to my wife at a staff Christmas party. Big mistake. Just want to let you all know that right now big mistake. I did not realize that at this staff Christmas, I thought we were going to just have a good dinner, and then, you know, I was after, I was just going to, you know, I was going to pop the question in front of everybody. It's going to be this big deal. I did not realize, this is when I was working in the Lafayette area, that they were going to invite a professional gourmet chef to this dinner, Now, if you've ever had a professional gourmet chef prepare food for you, if you ever had one of those, they don't just cook, like, one meal and it's done. It's, like, nine entrees. Like, it's like this. It's like it's an event. It's not just a meal. It's an event. You know, like, you come out and it's like a piece of lettuce with some drizzle on it. Like, there's the first one. I'm like, am I a rabbit? What is this? Like, okay, what's next? You know, he's like, No. You've got to savor it. <laughs> okay, all right, let's go. Let's go to the next. And, and then it was like, you know, it was, they had like pumpkin soup in a pumpkin. Aww. That's weird, but it was kind of cool <laughs> at the same time. And so like, I, so just be with me in this moment, okay? I'm 20 years old. I've got a ring in my pocket of my suit pocket. And I'm, I'm, I've got to go through an 11 entree meal with this suit in my pocket. And I, wait, ring, sorry, yeah, ring in my suit pocket. Thank y'all. I'm already getting nervous thinking about it already. My hands were so sweaty, so sweaty. And here's the craziest part. The craziest part of this whole story is, Lindsay gets super cold and I take my jacket off and I hand it to her and she puts my jacket on and then I go, the ring! It was in the pocket as she had it on. So then I'm trying to think through the whole time, how do I get my jacket back? I got to get my jacket back. But that was one of the craziest parts of having conversation because everybody's having a good time and having great conversation. And the food is really, really good. And you've got all these different entrees. It's it's a really great time. But um, anyways, luckily, I just want you all to know, if you all don't know, she said yes. I don't know if you all knew that. She said yes. And uh, we'll celebrate 20 years next week. So our next next month. So, yeah, we're so it's huge. It's a huge deal. So, so I, I made it through it. But that conversation was kind of like crazy. And I don't know if you've ever been to a place where you just had that. Like maybe the conversation was weird or the conversation was good. But how many know conversations are make or breaks for dinners, like really good dinners. And Jesus is here in this moment, and I think He's not only been preparing for the cross. I think Jesus has also been preparing for this moment. Like he realizes this is going to be the last meal, the last supper with his guys. And so we get, thankfully, John records five chapters of this, and it starts in chapter 13. So it goes 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. We're going to cover all of them. And uh, I'll keep you all here to 3 p.m. And so as we go, I'm I'm just kidding. We're going to go through this rather quickly but I want us to look at the big topics here. In John 13, verse 1, it says this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. And he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. I want everybody to say this last line with me. And, and now he what? He loved. he loved them to the very end. He loved them to the very end. Now, I don't, I don't want to go past this real quickly. I want to just take a quick moment here. And I want you to just put yourself in this moment. Jesus knew the hour had come. So let me ask you a question. Did Jesus know that Judas would betray him? Yes. Yes. Did Jesus know that Peter would deny him? Yeah, we know actually in this conversation, he tells Peter. Does Jesus know that his disciples will abandon him? Yes. Yes. Does he know that he's going to be crucified? Yes. Yes. He knows all of this, and he knows he's going to get resurrected. He knows, he knows the story. Now watch. Think about this for a moment. But he's so in love with these guys that he puts all of that aside to have a conversation with them. Now, let's just be honest in here. When you've had a long, exhausting, tiresome day, and you get home at the end of a long day, how I many know? You don't want to talk to nobody. Come on, can we not polish our halos in here and be a little honest here for a moment? You're like, hey, kids, throw yourself some macaroni. I'm gonna be up here. I'm gonna be, I'm like, I'm out. Like, let's be honest. When you've had an overwhelming week, you don't want to think about anybody else other than you. Is this not true? And so here we are. Jesus is about to walk through. He's already starting to feel the pressure. And it says that, he wanted to make sure that he loved them to the very end. To the very end. Jesus knows what's about to come his way. And so he wants to show them this love. And so what he does is watch. In verse two, it was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, Simon, a son, a son of, a, a, Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus, and Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he would return to God. He knew all this, but watch what he does. He says, so he got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin and then he began, what did he begin to do? Wash the disciples' feet and he's drying them with the towel that he already had around him. This is a moment now, for those that are probably in church, you kind of know the significance of this moment, but maybe if you're not in church, you will, like, what is that? I don't know what you're talking about. This was a customary role for a servant. This was a servant's role. Um, a, a rabbi was not doing this by any regards. Not only... Not only just a rabbi, but the Messiah definitely shouldn't be doing it. If anybody in the room should have been done, doing it, it should have been any of those other disciples. And yet, the rabbi, the Messiah, the king of kings, the lord of lords, decides to get up from the table, take off his robe, put on a towel, and goes and proceeds to wash the feet of every single disciple because what he's doing is he's giving them an example. He's giving them a model. He's showing them this is what I want you to, when we leave here, this is what I want you to really take with you. You want to be great. That's great let me show you what greatness looks like. Let me give you an example of what greatness is. And yet again, in the moment where he's got all this pressure and what he's about to do and the sacrifice he's about to make, he makes none of it about him. I don't know if if I'm Jesus in that moment, I'd be like, hey, guys, can y'all rub my feet? Anybody with me? Like, I'm the one that's about to have nails pierced in mine. You mind at least rubbing me? Hey, could you wash my feet? And he doesn't, he just chooses to live by example. And the verse says, it goes on, it says in verse 12, it says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked, he asked this question, do you understand what I was doing? Because oftentimes you can see what someone's doing, but you don't understand why they're doing it. And he says, hey, listen, I don't want you to see the, I don't want you to see what I did and miss the message. Here's the message. Here's the heartbeat of it all. You call me teacher, and you call me Lord, and you are right because that is what I am. I am teacher, and I am the Lord. And he says this. After, uh, go to the next verse. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, what does he say? You got to wash each other's feet. Say what? <laughs> wash each other's feet. Have you seen our feet? Hmm. <laughs> but you need to wash each other's feet because I've given you an example to follow. So do as I have done to you. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. God will bless you for doing them. If we're not careful, yet again, we can miss the message behind all of this. Anyone glad that we have a savior who didn't just tell us he loved us, but he showed us he loved us? Anybody glad for that? That he didn't just say, hey, I love you, but he literally demonstrated it to these guys. And so I wanna give you the five topics. I'm gonna give you the first one today, All right, the first one right now, and then I'll give you a question to ask too. So here's the first one. The first thing is this, that your highest calling in life is to serve others. Jesus was trying to teach them some things, and the first thing he wanted them to do at the dinner conversation was, hey, I want you guys to know the greatest thing that you can do is serve other people. Hey, do you want, how many in here want God's blessing? Anybody want God's blessing on your life? First off, realize you are blessed. But listen, if you want more of the blessings of God in your life, it, that, that verse literally says that you are more blessed when you begin to do these things. That as we live out a lifestyle of servanthood, we begin to receive. know. I mean, it is, as scripture says, more blessed to give than to receive. And Jesus is trying to help them understand, you want to have a blessed life, it's all about giving, it's all about serving, it's all about helping. If you see a need, meet the need. If you see someone hurting, try to help them in whatever way, that capacity that you can. This is a lifestyle that Jesus was showing them. Let's do it. And he started with something that was so bottom that nobody would want to do. So here's the question, Okay. So I'm calling these table questions. And these are questions that you can ask yourself throughout this week. These are questions you can ask each other at lunch. I'm gonna give you five topics. I'm gonna give you five questions. So the first topic is that, that your highest calling in life is to serve others. Here's the question. What could I do this week to intentionally serve someone else? What can I, let's, let's, let's now apply this to our lives. Not only is Jesus talking to his disciples in that room, but he's talking to all of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus. And I think if Jesus was having dinner with us, a question that he would ask is, hey, what is the way you've served someone beyond yourself this week? And what is the way in the weeks coming up that we can find ways to serve those around us? Maybe someone at our school, someone at our work, someone uh, at our job, maybe someone in our family, maybe a spouse or children. So that's in chapter 13. Let's go to chapter 14 now because what ends up happening is in chapter 14, he's starting to realize his disciples are kind of sad. They're kind of discouraged. And I honestly think that the guys are discouraged because they thought that when Jesus showed up in Jerusalem, he was gonna come in and kick tail and take names. Like they were so excited about the Messiah finally coming into Jerusalem because he was going to overthrow all of the Roman government and he was going to be the king of kings that he says he is. And Jesus didn't come on a high horse. How many you know he came on a humble donkey? Why? Because he was coming in saying, you think I'm coming in high, I'm going to come in low. It's the same way he showed up on this earth. How many you know he didn't show up on this earth descending from the sky going, hee-hee-ha-ha, I'm here. Like, he didn't do that. He came through a humble, meager, virgin teenage girl in a lowly place, in a manger, in a stable, because he wanted to enter into the mess of the world as a humble servant to say, I can even fix messes. And then he comes into Jerusalem on a humble uh, donkey, enters into the kingdom, and they're waiting for him to take the kingdom. And he's like, I'm not doing it that way, guys. And so they're discouraged about what's going on. And so we get chapter 14. Look at chapter 14. Look how he starts chapter 14. He says, everybody help me here. Don't let your, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And if I can encourage all of those that are in here, if you're watching online right now, don't let your hearts be troubled. These are Jesus' words. These are red letters right here. Jesus is trying to lift their spirits. And if you're going through a hard time right now, I want you to lean in. I want you to notice how Jesus encourages them because he encourages them very differently than I think we think he would encourage them. Watch what he says. Hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And watch what he says. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you And then he says this, watch in verse 3, he goes on, he says, and when everything is ready, what does he say? Come on, say it with me. I will, I'm going to come get you so that you will always be with me wherever I am. Watch this. The disciples brought an earthly feeling, an earthly problem to Jesus, and Jesus brought a heavenly solution. Well, Jesus, what are we going to do, man? I'm so stressed, I'm so discouraged, I'm so, he says, hey, hey, get your eyes off yourself, look up. It's not about this home. And I think that so many of us get so highly discouraged in this life because you've put way too much stock in this life. you put way too much weight in this world. And the Bible says... Do not be discouraged. Don't let your hearts be troubled. God, he, Jesus says, it's not about this world, it's about the next world. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. This place is greater than any other place. And so don't get your hopes in this world because this world has pain and depression and discouragement and heartache and death and divorce and all of these things that we do not want. And we want God to fix this world, but He says, I'm not about that. I'm gonna take you to another world and then I'm gonna come back and I will fix this world eventually and there will be no more pain and there will be no more problems and there will be no more tears, but not yet. Not yet. There's coming a time though. There's coming a time. And we keep thinking that God is obligated to fix your problems right now. Well, there was a death in my family. Why didn't Jesus do something? Because he promised that he's a healer. But how many know he doesn't always heal on this earth? Sometimes your healing's on the other side. And if you put all of your stock in that God is gonna make this world your best world, you are so deceived. This world is so full of pain, so full of torment, so full of hurt, and Jesus' answer to misery was heaven. So here's topic two, ready? When earth gets hard, focus on heaven. When earth gets hard, focus on heaven. Watch this. I love this quote right here. Look with me here. If I know God, earth is as close to hell as I'll ever get. It only gets better. Come on, how many you know that? If you know God, this is hell. It only gets better from here. But watch, though. If I don't know God, earth is as close to heaven as I'll ever get, and it only gets worse. So if you don't know God, this is as good as it gets. It's only going to get worse from here. And so Jesus says, you know what, if I'm going to encourage these disciples, I'm not going to talk about how I'm going to take their pain away. I'm going to talk about the future day and the real home that I have that I'm creating for them. Hey, guys, don't get discouraged. Don't put your trust in this home. I've got a better home that I'm preparing for you. And one day I'm going to come get you and we all going home. I remember back in the day, that's really a lot of the songs that they used to sing a lot. I remember that? Like, a lot of the songs of worship were all about that. Some glad morning when this life is over. Oh, look at that. Okay, you know. It's all about this, this future place. I, I, I've done a number of funerals. Many. And the only hope that those that sit in that service have is heaven. I mean, oh, if the resurrection didn't happen, heaven's not real. If, if the resurrection didn't happen, we don't have a chance. But I mean, oh, our God is alive and well, and we get to celebrate that not only is he alive, but he is coming again, and when he comes again, he's going to take us with him, and there is a hope of heaven. So if you have a lost loved one that loved Jesus, there, it's not... It's not it's not goodbye, it's see you later. And, and, and even though we grieve because we're human, we grieve with hope. Y'all with me? Okay, so, so here's the question. Who needs your encouragement? Who needs your encouragement? Maybe there's some people in your life who have put way too much focus on this world, and you can just encourage them. Let me, let me tell you how Paul encouraged people. Ready? Paul encouraged people when he said this, your pain is but light and momentary affliction. But how many know, we feel like our pain is long and not momentary. We feel like it's forever. And Jesus says, hey, listen, compared to eternity, this is light and momentary. This is light and momentary. So today we, we, we have such great faith in that. Then he goes to chapter 15 he says this. So we've gone to chapter 13, chapter 14, now we go to chapter 15, and he starts with these three words. Everybody say these three words with me. Remain. In remain in me, me. And I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And those who remain. Oh, y'all thought y'all were going to get away with that one. I was the third one. Remain in me, and I and them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I don't think you should just exist and just try to hope to get to heaven. I really honestly feel with all of my heart that God wants you to have the most fruitful, joyful life on this earth. Now, listen, I'm not saying that it's, Always joy-filled that it's always happy. We just talked about it. Like, well, Pastor Josh, it seems like you're contradicting yourself. I thought you just said we're gonna have pain and problems. We will, but joy is way different than happy. Happy is based on circumstances, joy is based on Jesus. And when I got Jesus, I can have joy even when I'm not happy. But I think God has so much more for you. I think we as a as a society settle. Going to church is not all that God desired for you. God has so much more. He wants to know you intimately. He wants to speak to you throughout the week. He wants to encourage you. And how many know ultimately, he wants to use you for his glory. This is, he says, listen, when you do this and you produce fruit, you are my disciples. God doesn't want us just to be, to survive. He wants us to thrive. Look what it says in verse 16. You didn't choose me. Hey, just in case you were wondering, like, I chose God. You didn't choose him. He chose you. And he appointed you. To what? To go and to produce lasting fruit. So that that fruit will give you whatever you ask uh, for using my name. This is my command. Let me just remind you yet again, guys, if you haven't heard, love each other. Love each other. God's desire is for us to go and produce fruit. Why is God desiring for us to go and produce fruit? Ready? Watch this. All of us are producing fruit in our life. The question is, is it good fruit or bad fruit? Everybody is taking a bite out of your life. The question is, do they like what they're tasting? Is it it good to them? And God says, listen, I want you to produce fruit in my life. And, And here's a way that you produce fruit, guys. You love each other. So that gives us brings us to our third topic. Ready? Here's the third one. We can do more together than we can do apart. We can do more together than we could ever do apart. You're a part of this, and there's a puzzle piece in God's grand design of everything that He's doing in this world. And you've got a piece to play that is uniquely yours. I've got a piece to play in this church. All of us have a piece to play in this church. I'm. Wanting to hopefully play my part, and I hope you're playing your part. We're not called to do every part, but you all are called to do your part. I'm not called to do your part. You're not called to do my part. That's why we don't compare ourselves to any other people and what they're doing, because I've never been called to do what they're doing. God's called me to do what I'm doing. And the same is for everybody in this room. The fact that we even were able to launch three services today and from here on is because we have a dream team of people who said, I'm willing to do my part. I'm so grateful for our dream team that has stepped up to the plate, willing to do their part, whether that's in serving kids or parking cars or making coffee or passing notes or helping you find a seat in this crazy packed place. (laughs) Whatever that part may look like, all of us have a part to play, and I'm so incredibly grateful for all of you that are in here that says, hey, listen, I know I can't do everything, but I can do something. And here's what I know. When all of us do a little, together we do a lot. When all of us do a little, together we can do a lot. You don't believe me? Well, just two weeks ago, we, uh, we had a reach and build miracle offering, which was a huge a moment for us as a church to go kind of all into what God was wanting to do through our church to expand the vision of our church at all of our different locations. And we had a massively huge miracle goal, and it's our goal of reaching $300,000. That's, that's, that was our financial goal. It still is to this moment. And uh, to be honest with you, I didn't know where we would land. I was believing, I think, our biggest time at, at that place that we'd ever received a uh, in cash was probably forty, fifty thousand um, dollars that we've given, but we went ahead and cast it big. That's what we want to do. And just in the last two weeks, I want you to you want to see how much you've given just in two weeks here at the church, you've given over 180000 dollars in just two weeks. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise on that. That's huge. That is huge. And what blesses me more than anything is watching, it, it's, it's, it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice and everybody doing their part. This isn't like someone that came and threw, threw down $100,000, like we didn't have that. Like it was everybody giving their little bit, whether it was $3 or $10 or $15 or $200 or $1,000, like everybody giving their part. Let me tell you what fired me up the most, though, was that we had a, we didn't say this out loud, but in Jennings, we had a goal of 125000 Out of that 300000 we wanted, we in Jennings wanted to raise about 125000 And just in the last two weeks, just in Jennings alone, we've raised $110,779. Come on, that's huge here. So, Hey. We're like $14,000 away, which may get matched this weekend. I don't know. Um, But we're going to continue to do that. And a part of that, too, is we want to continue to be a generous church. So for those that are here, you're like, oh, here they are. They're going to ask for money. I don't want anything from you, okay? Like, we're good. Um, I want to tell you what you're doing and how you're blessing people, though. A part of what we're doing, we are a three-campus church. We have a, a church here in Jennings. We have one in Eunice, one in Crowley. Our Crowley campus has been portable, meaning they've been setting up and breaking down for almost nine years Nine years. They've met in the grand uh, the, the cinema. They've met in the grand theater. They've met in all the different places, and we're so excited because they finally have a home. And we've been remodeling it. And here's the cool thing: it's coming under budget, and it's going faster than we even thought. It's happening right now. So I wanted to make sure that we weren't only blessing them in in, in financial ways, because a lot of what we do is helping them as well. But one of their biggest needs that they had was chairs. They need chairs. They have no. They went from the theater chairs, which, by the way. Can't beat those chairs, okay? <laughs> like, Pastor JJ was like, everybody falls asleep, though. I'm like, yeah, it's because you got five-hour chairs. You need, you need just a one-hour chair. You need, you need a little smaller chair. And uh, so um, as the Jennings campus, we are going to be giving them all of our chairs, and we're buying new chairs for this campus <laughs> here. So not theater chairs, just want to let you all know, but also not lifetime chairs, okay? So it would be good stuff. But that just, I want you just, just see that. That's a $20,000 investment over there just by doing that, just that alone. Hey, I just want y'all to know y'all are sitting in some expensive chairs. <laughs> they are expensive to buy, trust me. But this is a part of a family. This is a part of what we do as a church to bless one another, to help one another. And I just want to continue to thank you for your generosity of what you're doing here in this church. This is huge. When, when all of us do a little together, we do a lot. So here's the question, ready? Table question is this, What's your part? What's your part? All of us got a part. What's your part? I got a part. You've got a part. Are you playing your part? Are you doing your part? If you are, thank God. If you're not, come on, let's go. We all got a part to play. Now, Jesus talked about, in chapter 13, about the heart of serving. In chapter 14, we see that he talks about the heart of heaven. In chapter 15, we see that he talks about being connected to him, remaining in him, being fruitful in him. But you know the number one topic that Jesus talked about at the Last Supper, the number one table conversation that Jesus had with his guys was about the Holy Spirit. You actually see it in two different chapters. You see it in chapter 14, you actually see it in chapter 15. I want to show you here because something so important for us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, Jesus was introducing kind of a new person into their life. He says, I'm... Here's what's gonna happen. Look look with me in John 14, 16. He says, Guys, listen, I'm gonna ask the Father, and He's gonna give you another advocate. That word advocate is is comforter, helper, guide. And, And He's gonna never leave you. And He needed to say that because He literally has been telling them up to this point I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Now, think about this. For three years, they've had Jesus right beside them. I don't know about y'all. How many know it's easy to follow Jesus when he's in front of you? (laughs) Anybody? (laughs) I'll follow you. Well, yeah, you're right there. I'll go wherever you go. But what happens when Jesus goes, peace out, I'm gone? These guys are freaking out a little bit internally. Like, what are we going to do? Like, you've been the guy. It's been easy to follow you. And he says, hey, guys, I I, want to encourage you, though, here. I'm going to bring you somebody who's better than me. And they're like, ain't nobody better than you. It's like, no, 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 I'm telling you. This guy's better than me. Because here's the cool thing about this guy. His name is the Holy Spirit, and he's not only going to be with you, he can be with everybody at all times, every place. I can only be with you in this moment, in this place. But the Holy Spirit can be with all people, at all times, in every situation, and he says in verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit and he leads you into all truth. And the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. And so they don't recognize him. But you know him because, watch this, he already lives with you. And later, which you know happens in Acts, he's going to be in you. So he's already been with you. You didn't even realize it, but now he's actually gonna be living on the inside of you. And then in verse 16, or chapter 16, now go to chapter 16 in verse one, he says, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Yet again, Jesus knows all, sees all, knows exactly what's coming his way. He knows that there's gonna come a moment where he ascends and these guys are left to themselves. And for him, That is incredibly concerning because he spent three years with these groups of people to see them get launched out to go continue this mission that he has for them. And he says, hey, let me tell you my greatest concern. I just want to make sure that you don't abandon your faith because here's what Jesus knows. You think it's hard then? Just wait. And if you know the story of almost all of the disciples, they're killed for their faith. It wasn't like easy journey after all this. These guys would go under some of the most gruesome persecution, heartache, pain, and yet they've got the Holy Spirit now. And Jesus knew, listen, before you ever go step a foot out there trying to do anything in my name, you're going to need the person of the Holy Spirit. It's going to get turbulent. It's going to get wild. I don't want you to fall away. I don't want you to abandon. And so in verse eight, it says, when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he's gonna convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So he's gonna be the one that says, ah, don't do that. ah." And y'all about to send something on Facebook and you heard something like, don't send that. (laughs) Don't post that. Don't say that. Don't text that. Or maybe you've heard him say, no, you need to go do that. No, go say you're sorry. No, go admit what you did. He says he, you're gonna, he's gonna convict you of not only sin, he's gonna convict you of God's righteousness of who you, who you are in verse 13. And when the spirit of truth comes, look what he's gonna do. He's gonna what? He's, he's gonna guide you in all truth. And, and he's not gonna speak on his own, but he's gonna tell you exactly what he has heard. And here's a little bonus. He's gonna tell you about the future. So he's gonna direct you. He's gonna speak to you. He's gonna talk to you, he's gonna, he's gonna help you. He's gonna encourage you, he's gonna strengthen you. So, so here's, here's topic number four, ready? We need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within you. Jesus could sit down and have a meal with us. He would talk to us about serving. He would talk to us about heaven. He would talk to us about our hope and encouragement. He would talk to us about remaining in him and being fruitful, but he would definitely talk to us about his greatest gift he's given us Outside of salvation, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit, you need the Holy Spirit desperately in your life. Say, well, I don't know if I can hear the Holy Spirit. Let me help you with this. Ready? The Holy Spirit's voice is only as loud as my willingness to listen. The Holy Spirit's voice is only as loud as my willingness to listen. If you don't want to listen, you won't hear him. But let me tell you, though, here's the encouragement. If you do want to listen, you will hear him. And my prayers, maybe even for some of you today, that you'll hear that voice today. How many know our God doesn't have a speaking problem? We just got a hearing problem. He's always speaking. He's always talking. He's been talking to you for a long time. You just put him on mute. And God goes, "Hey, just take me off a mute. I want. I want to speak. I want. I want to tell you something." And I think if we would just slow down. We live in such a fast-paced, loud world. If we would just slow down. Some people like to stay busy because you're scared of what would happen in, in your soul if you did slow down. And so you like to stay working and busy because the moment you slow down, all of this stuff rises to the top and it scares you. But don't be scared of that. Welcome that. Invite that. God will only reveal what he intends to heal. So invite that. So here's, here's our table question, ready? What has the Holy Spirit been trying to say to you? What has the Holy Spirit been trying to say to you? Pastor Josh, I don't know. Okay, that's all right. We're gonna have a moment, in just, just a moment, for us just to maybe ask. Holy Spirit, is there something that you're speaking to me? So that's chapter 16, and now we go to chapter 17. The final chapter of the five chapters, and I want you to see what Jesus does in the final chapter. So in chapter 17, starting in verse 1, it says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven. You're going to notice that throughout Scripture. If you read the Gospels, that Jesus would often do this. Before he did the feeding of the 5,000, the Bible says he looked up to heaven before he broke the bread. Looking up to heaven for him was a posture of prayer. Because it, looked, it says, Father, here comes the prayer. The hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give you glory back to you. What a prayer to pray. And if you go and you continue to read, because chapter 17 is a rather lengthier chapter, it's what they would call the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus' prayer. If you ever want to know what Jesus is really concerned about, go read John chapter 17 and see what he prays about. One of the things he prays about, by the way, is that his church would be one that they would be united together, that he knows that the enemy would be after them, but that they would be united together. Jesus, who was perfect, though, think about this. Jesus, who was perfect, was always praying, always praying. Watch, literally, after this prayer in John 17, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Guess what he goes to go do? What? Pray. Pray. Well, he just got done praying. I know, he needs to pray more. So he goes to the garden, brings some of his guys with him and says, let's pray. Everywhere you see Jesus is going, he's always covering it with prayer. He'd pray in the morning, get up early and go pray. He'd be late at night, he would go pray. In a situation where he didn't know what to do, he would pray. Before he would get himself in situations, he would pray. I mean, Jesus was always praying. So the last topic I think that he's trying to get his guys to understand is, here we go, pray about everything hey guys, if I can teach you anything, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Now, I wanna end today's service by asking this question. Why don't we pray more? Let's think about this for a moment. Probably the majority of us that are online or are in this room know that we need to pray. We know the importance of prayer, but yet... We have a hard time praying more. And I think prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. That's why we have these little pray first bracelets, which if you don't have one and you like one, they're free at the guest services. But it's just a reminder constantly that whether I wake up, I go to bed during the day, before a meal, hard situation, I'm I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray first. I'm going to pray first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek the Lord. And I think the reason we don't pray enough is because we, sometimes we forget what God's done, what God can do. But I, I want to show you a scripture here because I think fear is a result of prayers we haven't prayed. Let me say that again. I think fear is a result of prayers we haven't prayed. Let me show you. Watch what 1 Peter says. This is our last verse. Everybody say that first word with me. Yes. Cast. Come on, say it one more time. Cast. Yes. Cast. Cast. Cast all your anxiety on who? On him. Just cast all our anxieties on God. Watch, watch. Because he cares for you. Okay, let's say that like we said the word cast. Because he cares for you. He cares for you. All right, I want every eye looking at me. We're done here. Every time you feel immense pressure, you feel overwhelmed, you feel anxious, is because I'm carrying something God's calling me to cast. I'm holding on to something that God's going, cast it, cast it. Now, in those days, they would really understand this word cast because literally it's what they would do with nets. They would cast it. It's how they would collect fish. It's part of their fishing strategies. And I wonder in this room and those that are watching online, I wonder how many of you are carrying something right now that God's been calling you to cast. Last time I checked, the song says, he's got the whole world. Not in yours. And you're stressed because you're carrying something you were never called to carry. You're carrying guilt you were never called to carry. You're carrying shame you were never called to carry. You're carrying fear that you were never called to carry. You're carrying depression right now that you were never called to carry. You were called to cast it. And in the last final moments of Jesus' time with his disciples, he says, guys, I want you to serve one another. Guys, I want you to keep your eyes on heaven. Guys, I want you to bear fruit in all that you do. Guys, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this on their own. But man, if there's anything I can show you, you better be people of prayer. You better be people of prayer. You better, if if it comes on you, get it off of you. If it comes on you, you just cast it. Fear is a substitute for the prayers we haven't prayed. I don't know about y'all, I want peace, I don't want fear. I want joy, I don't want problems. I want, listen, that's not that problems don't come, they just don't have to stay on me. I just don't, they're not sticking on me. Come on, they're coming off of me. God, this is you. I mean, no, he's big enough to handle it all. He's got big shoulders. So here's our question, our last question of the day, is that what do I need to give to God in prayer? What is it that I need to give to God in prayer? You and I, we all have something right now. Maybe that's heavy on your heart. And I wanna, I wanna close out today and I wanna invite us into a place of prayer. And I want you to just do this. Would you just close your eyes? There's nothing spiritual about closing our eyes. We just close our eyes just to kind of get, get rid of the distractions that are going on around us. Would you, even if you're there online, if you wanna just join us in this moment, and I want you just to do this. Would you just, would you just kind of put your hands out, just palms up. Just hands out, just palms up right here. There's gonna really be two things that we're doing right now. And this is why we're we're symbolizing hands out, palms up. It's because one, there's some things that you need to get rid of. There's some things you need to cast. I I really feel there's some of you in here, maybe you've you've got a wayward child. and, And it's just been it's been so heavy on your heart. And that's okay because you're human and you're a parent but God just wants you to know he loves your children more than you do he's looking after them some of you right now maybe if you've gotten a diagnosis or maybe you've got some physical pain there's a physical sickness that's going on in your life or in your body and you've been carrying it And God's going would you just give this to me would you just would you just cast this would you cast this on me Some of you are in a really difficult financial place right now. And you're trying to do all that you can to figure it out. And that's good, and God will give you wisdom. But could we just for a moment just release this before the Lord and just say, God, this is yours. My children are yours. My finances are yours. Maybe some of you, your marriage is just in a really rocky place right now. Said, God, this marriage is yours. There's others of you right now, you, you, if, you're, if you'd be honest, you've, you've kind of been your own Lord. You've been your own God. And today God is calling you with hands out. Saying, would you just would you give me your life? Would you give me your life? Would you give me your sins? Would you give me your shame? So Father, in this moment, we we cast these upon you. So I want you to just to do this right there. Every person that's here, that's in this room, if you're watching online, and you know what that is, that heaviness that's been on you, would you just right here just have a moment with the Holy Spirit? You say, Holy Spirit, would you just take, I give this to you, and then would you just name it? Just say what it is. I, I, I give this to you right now. Maybe it's just a heavy heart. Maybe you're grieving through something right now. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's unforgiveness. God, I just, I give this to you right now. But also in this posture, we receive. We receive. We receive the gift of salvation. Thank you that we don't have to work for this. We don't have to earn this. We receive this. We receive the precious gift of Jesus today. We receive your grace. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your healing. We receive your touch. We receive your hope. We receive your love today that we felt like we are so unloved, but God, today we receive your love that is so poured out for us that just as the disciples, as you displayed your love for them in washing their feet, but ultimately, you would display your greatest love for us by having your body scourged and beaten, thorns placed on your head, Nails put in your hands and your feet. A a, a spear in your side. Because you loved us so much. You are obedient to your Father. You took all of our sin. And all of our shame. And you bore it on the cross for us. So today we receive your love. We repent of our sinfulness of our selfishness. God, we repent of that and we turn to you and we confess that you are the Lord and the Savior of our life. Apart from you, we can do nothing. So we receive you today. We receive your mercy and your grace and your goodness. Thank you for who you are. We cast this upon you today and we receive all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Amen.